365 with Daniel, your daily dose of inspiration. Hey guys, Daniel here. Hope you're going to enjoy today's episode. In this episode, Jerry Colonna, the CEO and co-founder of Reboot.io, is joining the pod. For almost 20 years, he has used the knowledge gained as an investor, executive, and a board member for more than 100 organizations to help entrepreneurs and others lead with humanity and resilience. First, I need to say thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to meet you and also explore the questions together. And the first one is, who do you admire the most and why? Well, there are a lot of people I admire. Um, it's a great question. Um, and it's hard to choose one. So I'm, I'm going to end up telling you about two. Um, and I've written about both folks uh, in, in both in my book, and I've talked about them online. So the first person who popped into my head is my dear friend, my teacher, Parker Palmer. Parker is, will be 83, I think, this February. And I first encountered his work um, maybe 20 years ago in a moment in my life when I needed, uh, I was lost, deeply lost. And um, I remember reading uh, one particular book of his. He's, he's written 10, I think. And the reason that's relevant is because I've committed to writing 11 so I can outdo him by one. But um, That's ambitious. That. <laughs> yeah. But um, he wrote a book called Let Your Life Speak. And I remember uh, reading this passage in which he very openly talked about his struggles with depression. And I had encountered other people, celebrities, named people who had spoken about depression. But there was something unique about the way he talked about it that both felt familiar and liberating. Uh, and the liberation was... Uh, if he could feel these feelings, then it would be okay for me to feel these feelings. Hmm. And that was incredibly powerful. I felt like a hand reached across space and time and put it and, and, and rested on my shoulder and said, it's okay, kid. Um, and we have been, we've then met in person about eight, nine years later. And we have been deep, deep friends ever since. And, you know, I mentioned my book. I'm, I'm in the middle of uh, my second book. And about once every four or five weeks, I get an email from him that said, so, bud, how's it going? <laughs> and his timing is impeccable because uh, it always occurs right at the moment when I am stuck. And I was stuck last weekend, and we have a call scheduled for next week. Um, and it's not like he is an editor, because I have a fabulous editor, or my agent, who is incredibly supportive. It's, it's like he stands shoulder to shoulder with me and uh, goes, yeah, I know what it's like to feel stuck in that moment. Here's what I do those moments so that's parker i promise to be okay. briefer with uh, the next one the second person okay. is sharon salzberg 
who is my uh, Buddhist teacher. And uh, Sharon and I have been working together for 16 years. And she is both a teacher and a friend. And, um, and I say the friend part because there, she, she is very gracious and allows me to help take care of her as much as she takes care of me. And so if she's struggling because of COVID, she's locked in, you know, some retreat center or something like that. And I'll send her flowers. It just makes us closer. And then as a teacher, she's just been enormously helpful in sort of sorting through the mishigas, a good Yiddish word of my mind. Okay. Okay. So these are the two persons that we go to. What is one habit that you adopted recently and that paid off in a good way? Well, I'm very much a creature of habit, um, but I don't know that I've adopted any habit recently. Okay. What I you will can say go further in the past, if you want. What What I will say is. Um, I'll answer it this way. I used to have a habit of spending a lot of time traveling and a lot of time in airports. And um, because of COVID, the world shut down in that way. And so uh, what, I, what has emerged is a profoundly new respect for home mm -hmm. and uh my partner ali and i live on a 40 acre farm just outside of boulder colorado i have views of the mountains um we have three nice. horses and a 19 year old cat named ginger uh, <laughs> and every morning at 5 30 she greets me at the bottom of the stairs and i scratch her head and i tell her again and again every day I have to make my coffee before I'm going to feed you. And then she looks at me and she waits me to make the coffee and then I feed her. And see, I don't think of such things as habits. I think of such things as rituals mm -hmm. and okay. ritual. Uh, that word implies something sacred. And, you know, there, there, there's this whole subculture of, Life hacking, body hacking. Oh, you know, I got, yeah, I do all that shit. You know, like I get up early in the morning. I sit on the front porch. I watch the sunrise. I meditate. I drink my coffee there. You know, I journal. I do all those things. But I've been doing those things since I was a kid. Mm. There's, a, there's something sacred about the ritual aspect. Even if it's uh, something as simple as um, how many scoops of ground coffee you put in the French press. Hmm. Human beings need ritual. Um, they, I think, signal to the uh, autonomic nervous system that all is right with the world. Hmm. And we are highly anxious creatures. I think so, too. And so ritual, you know, I've always put my left sock on first. 
What? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't feel right if I put my right sock on first. Mm. Is is there a moment where the the, the ritual mindset appeared? Like uh, when, when when it became when I like the obvious it was ritual. Mm. Yeah. Uh yeah, probably following probably following the the profound bout of depression that I experienced at starting at around age 38 there was a there was and, and which co which coincided with my uh, meditation practice you know no one no one's ever asked that question before so i'm thinking about it on the fly i think what happened is no rush i started to I started to create a sense of deeper awareness of my own internal state and not like mm. clicking a button on an app that says, are you feeling happy today? Click. But <laughs> like what's actually going on inside. And I began to associate certain things, which was if I did X, I felt Y. And so since I was struggling with, what I was feeling, yeah. I started to eliminate the things that made me feel badly and started to ritualize the things that made me feel better. Now, I, my children might say I'm a little obsessive compulsive. I actually don't think I am. Uh, but I do notice that um, if the morning doesn't proceed the way I like it to proceed. I can be off kilter for the whole day. Um, and that's what I mean when I talk about uh, ritual. Because ultimately, it's not so much about the act. It's about how does it make us feel. Yeah. Yeah, I guess like that's the... When you're aware, that's the overview of it. It's about how it makes you feel. Yeah. Right. What is one moment when you felt most grateful? This moment. <laughs> I mean, I have to be honest with you that um, and this wasn't a conscious effort, but <sighs> there's this great scene. I, I, I'm from Brooklyn and I grew up a Yankees fan. And okay. um, Uh, one of the famous Yankee baseball players, a guy named Lou Gehrig. And early on, he was, uh, early on in his life, relatively early, he was diagnosed with ALS, which is a nerve disease. And so his career was cut short. And there's this famous scene of him standing in the old, old Yankee stadium, where he's at the plate and he says something to the effect, and you hear the echo in the old black and white video. Uh, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the planet. I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the planet. Because I get to have meaningful conversations with people like this every day. And what a joy is that. Powerful. <laughs> I feel it. <laughs> Nice, nice. Hmm. Okay, next one. 
if you could teach or pass a skill to other people, what would that be? I think part of the reason I feel so joyful at times is that I do think of myself as a teacher already. And so knowing that, I answer the question by saying, what is it that I am hoping to pass on? Mm. Um, there are a number of things, but uh, the, the, the main thing has been what I would consider a source of freedom for me which is to teach and encourage the willingness to be honest with oneself. And what I mean by that is that sometimes, well, not sometimes, almost always the anxious and depressive mind makes up stories that are bullshit. <laughs> There's a story that goes in, for example, it says, you're not worthy. Mm. They never loved you at all. They're pretending. They're going to figure out you don't know what you're doing. And those are lies. And when you stand still long enough and sit still long enough, and allow the fullness of the human experience to wash over you. And you see the positives and negatives. Because there are positives and negatives. There's pain and pleasure. Yeah. But when you see it all part of a larger picture, all of a sudden you, you see it through the lies. Hmm. So if I, if, if, if I left anything, after our lifetime, our work. So the way I would position it. It would be to encourage people to sit still, pay attention to their own life, and poke holes in the lies that the anxious and depressive mind sent you. It's like a reframing or like refresh. I'm, I'm not sure how to... I'm a visual guy, so I was uh, imagining the whole. So, <laughs> it, 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 it's a reboot. See, I'm always yeah. on brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> What are you currently reading? Right now, I'm reading a, a, a book. It, it was actually his last published book by Barry Lopez. Barry Lopez is, uh, was, he passed away last year, uh, was a brilliant nature writer is too narrow, confined. Um, his most famous book for which he won a national book award is Arctic Dreams, which was the first book of his that I read. And it was about the seven years in which he spent in the Arctic observations and all. And this is a book of essays called Horizon. And uh, Barry Lopez, uh, I think, is an underappreciated writer. Mm. 
and uh, I'll share something with you. I started reading the book and uh, recalled that he had passed away last year. So I went online and read an obituary that was written in the New York Times. Okay. And uh, which I hadn't read when he first passed away because it was at the start of the pandemic. He passed away from cancer. Okay. And anyway, there's a quote which I ended up putting on at the bottom of my computer so that I can remember it when I'm writing my own work. And this is the quote. He says, I can tell you in two words, he said, when asked about his motives for writing, to help. Hmm. I am a traditional storyteller. This activity is not about yourself. It's about culture. And your job is to help. And uh, dear Barry, you helped. Um, because he, he taught through his words about the power of observing the world in a particular way. Um, right now, I'm in the middle of an essay in that book in which he, uh, he's recounting a time that he was working with some paleoanthropologists in Kenya. And uh, he's talking about, in a sense, the origins of humanity and uh, unearthing uh, relics of our ancestors, a.k.a. bones, right? But that's what they are. They're relics of our ancestors. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, so this is it. Um, what would you put on a flyer that would be seen by the entire world that would circle around each people's hand? To what end? What What would be the point of that? What would we want to accomplish by doing that? Mm, maybe to help. Uh, a very simple phrase then, therefore. You're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> I mean, you know, we before we started recording, we, we checked in a little bit on the pandemic, on COVID. Yeah. And, you know, one of the most amazing things, one of the most underexplored aspects of this pandemic is the universal experience of it. Right? Now what? Do you have grandparents? Are they still yeah. with us? Yeah. Two of them, yeah. Are you worried about them because of COVID? Uh, not that much, no. I, they're vaccinated, so I don't worry as I used to. So when they were in vaccinated last year, right? Yeah. I mean, think of the universality of that experience, right? Yeah. Whatever you call grandma, don't go shopping. Stay home. I'll go shopping for you, right? Yeah. Right? Or, do you know, if we have children, or if we have relatives and strangers, and they're, they're, the, the thing that breaks my heart is that we did not fully take advantage of this time period to realize the interdependence and interconnectedness of all beings. I remember doing a talk via video 
with about 150 entrepreneurs in Mumbai, really yeah. at the start of the pandemic. And I, I, I remember saying, like, think of the extraordinary experience. I have never been to Romania. And yet you and I can connect across space and time yes. and have this shared experience. We could talk vaccines. We could talk about unvaccinated. We could talk about masks. We could talk about not masks. We could talk about travel restrictions. We could talk about... All of a sudden, there's this shared experience. And even more, you need me to do things like stay healthy, just like I need you to stay healthy so that I stay healthy. Because that's how viruses work. Yeah. What a gift. You know, can we extract that gift from it? Anyway, I'm ranting, but you're not alone. That's the You're message. not alone. Who is your favorite cartoon character and why? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, well, it's going to have to be two because I can't separate <laughs> we, them. We, we, we go with two. Do you know? Do you know who Calvin and Hobbes are? Uh, okay. Maybe visually, but by the names, I don't recognize them. Okay, so I'm Calvin is this. Well, yeah. yeah, so he's like this little six-year-old boy who's always getting into trouble, and Hobbes is his imaginary friend. Uh, and by the way, they're named after uh, Calvin Hobbes, uh, Ka uh, John Calvin, and Tom Thomas yeah, Hobbes. I recognize them but, now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So, if you want to understand philosophy, uh, just read Calvin and Hobbes. You, you'll, you'll, you'll be, um, you'll be well satisfied. Okay. <laughs> Everything I need to know about the world, I learned from reading Calvin and Hobbes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm telling you, just read the comics and see. You're reading them right now as we go, uh, and you're laughing. <laughs> see. <laughs> I, I promise I'm going to give it a, a shot for sure. Okay. Uh, what fear did you overcome and what did you learn from the experience? I'm going to alter the question again and say, what fear have I mostly overcome? <laughs> okay. Um, and I do, the, the last chapter of my book is about this, um, the fear that I'm not good enough and therefore not worthy enough of uh, the trifecta that I always write about, love, safety, and belonging. Love, to love and be loved, to be safe spiritually, emotionally, physically, existentially, and to know that I belong. And the fear I had growing up was that I was not good enough, worthy enough to have those feelings. And most days, for most of the day, I overcome those fears. Um, but, you know, the last line of my book is, and with that, I mastered the art of growing up. 
And the reason it's phrased that way is because it's an art. It's not a science. And I did not write, and with that I grew up. Because it's a daily practice to remind myself that I am worthy of love, safety, and belonging. And mm. P.S. So are you. So it never ends. No. The, the constant. No. Um, and because it never ends, that can sound depressing, but because it never ends, there's an opportunity for empathetic connection to realize that you feel the same way, don't you? Mm. Right? One of the most extraordinary experiences I had was in 2019, from June of 2019 through February 2020, when the world stopped. I was going around the world doing book readings and fireside chats and all sorts of things, right? In, in support of the promotion of the book. And I can't tell you the number of times people came up to me having read the book and said to me, some form of your story is my story. <laughs> and what is most remarkable is it might be a black woman in Ireland born in Zimbabwe, but emigrated, or it might be a white woman in Denver who grew up in Oklahoma, right? Who's 80 years old. The universality of that experience yeah. blew me away <laughs> and made me feel, it just made me feel like, well, as I said to you just now, Oh, wait, I'm not alone. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I guess, the beauty in it, it's the realization of it, kind of. <laughs> you know, it is, it, isn't it funny? Because, you know, I don't know if you were raised with a spiritual tradition or not. I was raised in the Catholic Church and then came to Buddhism as an adult. I don't know any wisdom tradition. It doesn't teach this basic fact. Yeah. I don't care what God you believe in. They all say the same thing. You yeah. are not alone. Yeah. This made it made me think about like the the religion cult or something like that. Like uh, religion is just a big house with many, many rooms. And we are in the same house. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and the rituals that we were talking before are a form of entering that house. Right. I think so, yeah. Right. You know, the Buddha taught there are 84,000 doorways to the Dharma. 84,000. Mm. <laughs> What was he saying? What he was saying was it, there are all these different paths to the same truth. You are not alone. You are worthy of love, safety, and belonging. You are good, essentially, even when you do bad things. You're not irredeemable. Hmm. Yeah. 
What powerful messages! They are. It, 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 you know, it all gets corrupted into finger pointing and finger wagging and condemnation and judgment, and guilt, and blah 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 blah. But that, that's not but the essence. All this time, it's so simple, actually. Yeah. Yes, all this time. That's another good phrase to put on that flyer. All this time, it's so simple. <laughs> We're gonna print a few, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's not as hard as you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Brainstorming session. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think you'll like this one. If you could meet one person that you haven't met, who would it be? Why? And what would you talk about? Bruce Springsteen. Hmm. Um, Bruce Springsteen is in his, I think, 70s. I will turn 58 in two weeks. So I was a young teen. Yeah, I was a young teenager when uh, I first found Born to Run. And I had this uh, profound memory. Uh, this is back in the day when we had record players and we put vinyl on the record player and we plugged in headphones that were big. It looked like Princess Leia <laughs> haircut, right? And uh, I remember lying on my back, my knees up, listening to Thunder Road for the first time and just crying. Mm. And... Um, You know, throughout my life, I've been punctuated. It's been punctuated by um, songs and his development as an artist. But what really sealed the deal for me was reading his autobiography, which is also called Born to Run. Because there's a section in there where he talks about having been in psychoanalysis for 25 years. So remember before I was talking about how Parker revealed himself. And I remember reading that going, are you fucking kidding me? This rock star in therapy? P.S. I had been in psychoanalysis for 25 years at that moment. Okay. And so there's a passage in which he talks about the way in which he came to resolve what he called the unsorted baggage of his childhood. And I realized that his story is my story, that I was not alone. And if I could say anything at all to him, it would be thank you. It would be, uh, can we go for a walk? Because I just want to tell you what you meant to me. So, someday, someday I'll be able to say thank you to him in person. Awesome. What is <laughs> something that most people learn only after it's too late? <laughs> that it's hard, but it's not complicated. <laughs> 
<laughs> to harken back to what we were talking about before. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Barry Lopez. Um, I was actually going to pull up something I read last night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Barry Lopez, last night, as I was reading the book, he talks about, I can't find the section. He talks about um, the way in which our societies suffer because we don't have elders. Or we ignore the elders. And, you know, I use the term a lot, adult, and, and I use it tongue-in-cheek because uh, I it's not necessarily about chronological age, right? It's about um, arriving at personhood in a fullness of the way, the way you are. Mm. And um, the question you ask sparked the feeling about elderhood because... Yes. The wish that I have is that we would listen to our elders who will sit on a park bench, toss a few breadcrumbs at pigeons, and chuckle at us and say, it's not so complicated. It's not so difficult. You make it so hard on yourself. Right? Can you see them doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Right? And we are too busy staring at our damn phones to listen to the elder sitting on the park bench who knows the wisdom of slowing down and feeding a few pigeons. I might try this tomorrow. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> There you I won't, go. won't promise for tomorrow, but maybe next week. <laughs> One wish that I have is that I slip slide my way into elderhood, mm. right? And that I be, you know, the guy on the park bench that you don't realize has had the life that they had. Okay. Or that someday some writer in the future uh, reads a quote in my obituary. And prints it out and sticks it at the bottom of their computer monitor so that they remember the words. So be it, no? <laughs> May it be so. If tomorrow you could keep from your material stuff only what fits in a backpack, what would you keep? Well, the first answer would, would have to involve my books. So I guess it would have to include a Kindle. Because there's no way I could keep all of my books <laughs> in one backpack. Okay. Um, and I would have to have a means of staying connected to Allie and my children. Mm. Um, so a phone? And it, yeah, although I hate that notion. Um, so some form of connection in that way. Maybe okay. a dumb phone instead of a smartphone. 
um, and then a journal that had uh, never-ending pages and a pen with never-ending ink. That sounds nice. Mm -hmm. Okay. This would be. If you could know the absolute and total truth to one question, what question would you ask? I'm pausing because it's a tough question yep. to ask, answer. No rush. Why is it so hard for us to to stop hurting each other? Why is it that we can't use the shared experience of pain to create universal empathy? You know, right now as we talk, there are several thousand migrants wishing to be free on the border between Belarus and Poland. And we are fighting. Or just a few months ago, there were thousands of Haitians on the southern border of the United States. And somehow we think that that experience, that there's something wrong with them. Instead of saying, my ancestors suffered and I know what it's like to suffer. And so therefore, I will lift the burden from someone else. I, I struggle. I have theories as to why that is so. And in some ways, that's what the new book is about. But um, it hurts me when I see that. Yeah. You know, right now, there's a, quote, diplomatic dispute between France and the UK about, yeah. and what's lost is a hundred or so migrants who lost in a capsized boat in the English Channel. Like, what the fuck? Why do we lose our humanity? It's a good question. It hurts. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I, I, I often, because my book is, the new book is a lot about ancestors and all. So I think about what my grandparents would say to me. They'd smack me in the head. They'd say, hey. You know better. Somebody's in need. You take care of them. I think of the elders looking down from wherever they are, their head in their hands, saying, What are you doing? Romania has had its share of suffering. I remember. I remember the stories of 
the old regimes? Do we not forget? Do, do, do we forget? How can... You know, all the people in the United States who are screaming America first, this bizarre nationalistic thing, are they forgetting that so many of their ancestors came to these shores unwelcomed, unwashed, and stole land from the, the folks who were here to begin with? using the benefit of enslaved labor? Stop! Stop! We are better than this. Not as a nationalist. We are better than this because we were born human. What a gift! <laughs> Yeah, it's the best <laughs> from what we know. We have yeah. opposable thumbs. We can build pyramids. But somehow, migrants at a border, we don't know what to do. Stop. Yeah. Yeah, this this made me put a lot of questions in my mind, but I will leave them after, I guess. Think about. It. But we have uh, three more <laughs> on the line. <laughs> I'm a okay if you are. Yes, yes I am. What do you do when uh, you can't focus? I think the best thing for me is to get into my body. And sometimes that means just exercising. Sometimes no. that means going for a walk. Sometimes that means, I mean, again, I'm very, very lucky. I live in a beautiful part of the world. And um, Sunday I was struggling at the computer because it's been three hours working on the new book. And I was like, ugh. No world horse rider. I can't believe it. And finally, I was like, get back. And I pushed back from the computer, from the keyboard, and I just went for a hike. And I sat, you know, at a relatively short mountain, and I just stared at the valley for half an hour, 40 minutes. It's just like, huh, oh, okay. That's life. I forgot that. So that's what I do when I'm stuck. What's a belief that you hold, which many people disagree with? Well, they're wrong. So what difference does it make? No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that I... Um, I mean, I think you can probably tell I'm pretty left-leaning. Yeah. Uh, individual, um, 
So I suppose there might be folks who disagree with that. But as I said, they're wrong, so who cares? No, uh, I'm teasing. Um, maybe this. Despite my lamentations, which is a really good English word, you'll have to look it up. Um, like complaints? I am. Uh, they're like complaints, that's right. Okay. But, but there's, a, there's a sacred quality to them. Okay. Um, I am fundamentally optimistic about the human species. And I think there are a lot of people who are fundamentally pessimistic about the human species. Yeah. Yeah, I agree on this. I also feel that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, last question. Mm -hmm. Is there any exact method that leads us to what we want or dream about? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> this was the shortest one. <laughs> uh, there's no playbook. Hmm. There's no exact method. There's no exact method to being a good leader. There's no playbook for it. There's no do these five things and, and everything will work out. Um, there's just the work. And the work is individual. The work. Okay, Jerry. I okay. Guess, uh, I guess uh, we did it. <laughs> I want to thank you for the thought-provoking, feeling-provoking questions. It's yeah. a lovely way to wake up to my day. <laughs> I want to thank you for... Uh, saying yes uh, all the way from <laughs> the us uh, till back here to romania and uh thank you for being part of uh, my journey i guess thank you very much you got it we reached the end of the episode our host daniel is always searching for new guests if you have any people in mind that you want to see in the podcast please share the names via social media Want to support our journey? Please review, share and subscribe to our social channels and help us inspire more and more people. See you in the next episode.